You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. You feeling the sweat, Taylor? I don't have air conditioning, so. Oh, you are definitely feeling the sweat then. Well, every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. I would really love $7 billion. Even just like 700, but like 7 billion, that's a lot of goddamn money. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we got a little bit more news in the Sabres world this week. This time, though, it's it's a bit of an interesting uh, story that's been dominating headlines, at least among, you know, Sabres fans who are extremely online, I guess. So this past week, Jack Eichel was in an interview with his home news outlet, one of the home stations for him in, uh, in Massachusetts, where he's from. And in the interview, he's asked something along the lines of pretty much if he would ever like to play for the Bruins or if he wants to. And his response was, it is every person's dream to play, uh, play for their hometown team. And essentially said, I didn't, I don't know if it will be now or sometime in the future, but yeah, it's something that I would like to do someday. Uh, A lot of people took issue with it pretty much with the fact of him saying that of people saying, you know, you are still the captain of the Buffalo Sabres and you're talking about just like openly talking about like fantasizing about playing for another team. Whereas other people have said that they're really not making much of it due to the fact that he was just saying a pretty obvious thing that people want to play for their hometown teams. I personally wasn't too bent out of shape about it just because of the fact that I'm resigned to the fact that he's going to be gone. And that if the general manager isn't even like mentioning him by name in press conferences, then it's kind of hard to be mad at him for talking about something like this, especially something as kind of like, I don't know, bottom of the barrel as this, but what, what did you make of this Taylor? So first of all, I want to say as not, not to sound important because I'm not an important person, but like I do have a degree in journalism and I did work in the, the field for a few years. That interview was embarrassing for a, a local uh, media person to do that i mean it's just completely fawning over this guy like Mm -hmm. this isn't he's not a senator you don't have to hit him with like the tough questions or whatever but it was especially the the end of uh i don't know the technical term for this but the end of interview like shot like obviously shot later her more or less wrapping up and getting anything else that she couldn't that didn't make the interview like giving that information and kind of throwing it back to the anchors that was like cringeworthy like God, you're like a professional journalist. You're interviewing a subject. You're not like a blogger or like a fan. Like it's just so embarrassing right. watching it. That's not the issue here at all. But like, 
that was just like, oh, good to point out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I don't make too much of it for like two big reasons. One is that he, like I, like you said, he's gone. So like, I don't really think of him as the captain of the Sabers anymore because I don't think he'll ever put on a Sabers jersey again. The other thing is, it he didn't really say anything that crazy. He said like it's every kid's dream to play for their hometown team. Like, I didn't Pat Kane say something similar, you know, years ago when I asked him about playing for the Sabers. Like, I'm sure something along those those lines. Like, I'm sure any person say would say like that. It's it's the uh, it's the I guess I'm, I don't know, like polite way to handle it. Someone asked you that you can't say, no, I'd hate to play for the Bruins. I guess the best answer is like, Oh, I'm focused on playing for team X, whatever team yeah. you're playing at that time. But to give a kind of generic answer the way he did to say like someday, I mean, I can't bring myself to care about that. Like really we're to the point where after missing playoffs 10 years in a row, two of the, the big prizes that we have are you know, both ended up being really good. Two of the big draft pick prizes we had early in our rebuild are probably both never going to play for the Sabres again. I don't have any confidence they're going to win either of those trades. And Eichel's maybe talking about Rasmus Stalinen as the other one, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I don't, Eichel is one of the five most talented players, people to ever play for the Sabres. And he's not going to play another game for them. So I don't understand how people have the energy to get worked up over something like that in July. It's insane to me. It's July. It's July. Stop. <laughs> what are you, what, what are they've you done doing? to us. It's what they've I done know. to us. It's crazy. I, th- but you know, check out then. Just check out. It's easier. Well, and getting I think mad the, in July. The thing is, is that like there is, there's just the greater conversation about just Jack and his overall attitude. I think there is a conversation to be had that. You know, I think there's a hint of of truth in the way that both sides of, you know, the the arguments in this conversation that they always seem to come. There's always like hints of, of truth and, and and even the side that I would say is wrong, which is the one that's the people who just kind of pin it on Jack. I mean, that's just wholeheartedly like I don't think fair when you have an organization as incompetent as the Sabres, arguably a top three worst like run organizations in all sports over the past 10 years, like across made four major sports, at least in North America, uh, I think, yeah. that, you Check know, so out. like, it's hard, you know, you can't just pin that on, on one guy. However, with that being said, while I do believe that Jack couldn't do it alone and the general managers that he's had under his belt have not supported him with a team that is capable of competing and and making a playoff run. Even I do think that I can understand how some people, because I've even felt this way can maybe be unsatisfied with just Jack's demeanor, I guess. And his, not to say like to question his leadership, but just how he kind of handles himself and carries himself. I mean, this was an issue when he was a younger player and when he came into the league, obviously it's important to remember that, you know, he came to a team that was looking to him to be their savior. And so it's a lot to put that on somebody who's 18 years old and just expect them to be ready to answer the bell. You know, like he needed to grow up. He was a kid when they drafted him. However, he did have some pretty not great attitude issues you know and again they were terrible how can you blame somebody but at the same time it's like you're what you're expected to be what he's paid to be and I think that I don't have a problem with 
people, as long as they're being, I guess, reasonable and understanding who's mainly at fault for this, people taking issue with, I guess, like I said, his demeanor, how he carries himself, and especially how he has, you know, kind of down the stretch here. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I just, there's a lot of things that have kind of annoyed me about Jack that I ignored because he was, you know, he's the best player on the team by yeah. far. But, you know, at this point, yeah, I think that's there's a good, some fair question. I, that's I, a good I, way to, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I just, I kind of hope at some point there's some kind of like deep dive into the Sabres, like some, someone that's really connected, like a Bob McKenzie type, because I always felt like there was something up in like the 2017, 18, the, the last time they finished in last place. It's like that team was kind of unlucky and Leonard was terrible and it wasn't a particularly good team to start with, but it was like the worst team in the league has Eichel, Reinhardt, O'Reilly and Kane and Oposa before he was that bad. Like, I think there was definitely locker room problems for sure. There had always to have these, been. There's always these hints and like sometimes it's you know hard to tell but it's a chicken or egg thing are there locker room problems because the team is bad or is the team bad because there's locker room problems but there's never been i don't think a really good in-depth like here's what went wrong and here were the issues and here are the problem guys i think a lot of people wanted it to be the fact that they, they thought that kane was a bad locker room guy or a bad influence and o'reilly wasn't enough of a, a leader to overcome that but it's like Eh, both those guys are gone and nothing really got better. So no, that's, that's very true. So and maybe also, Jack's, maybe Jack's it, a problem. Maybe he's not. It could be, but I mean, it also has to make you wonder too, you know, are we just maybe not far removed enough yet? And by that, I don't necessarily mean years, but I mean, is when Jack Lee, like when Jack leaves, is that going to be when all this stuff is going to start to come out? You know, are we going to start Hopefully. to hear stories get leaked more about what was really going on? Because yeah, I mean, I think that end of Murray slash early Botterill era is like you said not to be too speculative but like there had to have been a lot of shit going on behind the scenes there because right. like there's just no way that they should have been as bad as they were to be honest and there were rumblings of issues potentially I know obviously there was the whole Eichel O'Reilly thing which ended up to be not true at all but I don't know usually when there's smoke that's all i'm all i'm trying to say there's cigarettes yep so anything else happening on the sabers front yeah the only other thing really that came out this week i believe it was uh john vogel had reported that he had touched base with jeff skinner's agent and i will actually confirm that right now yes it was john vogel uh jeff skinner's agent don Meehan told him that the sabers have not asked jeff skinner to waive his no move clause for the expansion draft something that would be such a layup of a move to make if they're able to do that and i would have to think that skinner would also be open to that as well but the reason why you do that is because it's one less person to be to worry about protecting Seattle more likely than not is not going to take on a $9 million contract for Jeff Skinner over the next, what is he in now? Like six years, seven years to go on this thing, six years, yeah, six years to go on this thing. So it, it's an easy move to make because you don't seemingly now it appears that like Eichel will probably and Reinhardt for that matter will probably be here for the expansion draft and so they're going to have to end up protecting them so with that in mind it makes too much sense to ask Skinner to allow him to waive his no move clause so that he is not forced to have to be protected by the Sabres and now it runs the risk of potentially losing a guy like Thompson or Asplund potentially for nothing or Borgen for that matter too 
yeah, I would be very upset if they lose Borgen or Asplund. That that feels very, very stupid. Um, unfortunately, uh, I think they're going to protect Tage, uh, and they should not. They should not do that. Mm-hmm. Would you rather – you mean over Asplund? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they sh- yeah I think they're going to protect Tage over Asplund, and they should not do that. They also should not protect Ristolainen unless they, they're confident they can make a really good trade. They need to trade. Why not trade him before? You know, obviously, if it's whatever is going on. Twenty eighteen. Well, I mean, what do you want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) I know you were the GM back then, Brandon. I was. I think you dropped the ball. Listen, my boss was peer pressuring me. I don't know what you want me to tell you. He likes the big hefty boys. He was whittling a clock in the shape of Risto. Wow. Hey, how about? uh, I feel like one other thing too that's been kind of tossed out there. William Eklund is seeming more and more like a possibility rather than Owen power. I, I think power is still the front runner, but I feel like I'm seeing way more people pointing out the fact that the Sabres might be considering that Th- thoughts. Yeah. Well, I saw uh, a draft uh, analysis of him and it, it looks, you know, there's always these, these comparables and they're always kind of outrageous, but I mean, he's in, the conversation for the number one pick. So I don't know how outrageous it is. Um, but the comparables were like Henrik Zetterberg. And I was like, then do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Owen Power is not going to be a better defenseman than Zetterberg was a forward. I would think. I mean, I don't have a crystal yeah. ball, but it's like, come on, man. I know we like our big, big guys, but. How about we get a real good little guy? Yeah. Who's, who's good at a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I'm, I'm pro forward here. I've talked in the past about the kind of crapshoot defenseman can be in the draft even more so than forwards. So I'd be interested in that. What if they end up just going veneers and surprising everybody? I'd be surprised. I know at this point I would too, sadly. Yeah. So also in the, in the world of hockey, uh, some trophy was awarded last week. Yeah. After the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. Some guy, some Lord guy, he has a cup, got awarded. Well, anyway, Tampa Bay won again, the second back-to-back of the cap era, the second back-to-back in more than 20 years. And unlike what we said last week, they were not able to sweep, which means that it has now been almost a quarter century since there was a sweep in the cup after there were four straight sweeps. However, so Tampa wins again. And, you know, I don't think there's been very much talk about this, so I kind of wanted to bring it up. Is Tampa in the conversation now for the best run in the cup era? Cap era, sorry, not cup era. That's the whole NHL history. The cap era. Ooh, what do you mean? Just this two-year run? Like, are they the best no, team? Not two years longer than that. So I, I'm going to throw some some stats at you, all right? Give me it. Give me Tampa. it all. All right. So the other teams, the best teams since the cap, I think, have been Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A. They have the best uh, claim at it, although L.A. is kind of a short run. Like San Jose's had definitely had more wins and more playoff appearances, but like one cup final and they lost it. So I'll just throw some, some of these at you. LA uh, won two cups. Those were the only two finals they made. They appeared in a total of three conference finals. They made the playoffs seven times in nine years. And they had four seasons with hundred points or more Chicago. Now I wasn't sure how to book on the Chicago run. So I'll, I'll let you decide starts in 2008 for sure. I ended it in 2015 after they won the cup. 
do you think it should be extended to 2017? Which is, they made the playoffs the next two years. Well, I feel like, when are you starting Tampa's? Um, that's another question I have. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, so for example, Pittsburgh's, I didn't, it's hard to put a timetable on it. So I just put it 07 through 2020. Yeah, I think then you should probably include Chicago. Is it if we're being like, I feel sure, like that we, makes sense. Yeah, if we're making right. the playoffs after winning a championship, like you're a contender. All right, yeah, that makes sense because they were both hundred point seasons. So that yeah. in that case, between 2008 and 2017, they won three cups. Those were the three finals they appeared in. They also appeared in a total of five conference finals, made the playoffs nine times in a row, and had seven 100 point seasons. Pittsburgh. Like I mentioned, I'm going to use this whole run. Uh, they've made the playoffs 15 straight times, and they have 13 100-point seasons. They have three cups, four appearances, and five appearances in the conference finals. And then Tampa. Tampa, I'm going to go from 2011 till now. This is a weird one. 2011 had Stamkos and Hedman. No one else that was on like the 2015 team. No Cooper weird they made a conference final game seven so i feel like i have to include it they missed the playoffs the two years in a row after that whatever it's 11 season run now they made the playoffs eight times seven 100 point seasons and now when i say 100 point seasons for all these guys i'm saying uh the this season last season in 2012 13 they played at 100 point pace then you get 100 yeah i'm counting that as 100 point season so they've won two cups appeared in three finals appeared in six conference finals which is wow. the most on here uh they have eight playoff appearances like i said and seven 100 point seasons or equivalents thoughts who do you think is number one there so i will say i don't think it's tampa yet and i will tell you why when i think about both la and chicago and pittsburgh for that matter they all had to retool in some way or another and come back with a different iteration of the initial cup team. These last two Tampa teams have been almost identical. Last year was the year where they made the, some of the key moves where they just completely stacked their bottom six between Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau. Um, So for the past two years, they've had the exact same team. This year, they were able to get by, too. Not that I'm the kind of person that's, like, freaking out about, like, the whole cap circumvention accusations or whatever. But, like, they did, in in theory, have a break with not having to worry about Kucherov's salary all year. Whether, you know, timing-wise, I'm not going to get into that. But they had a break on that. Next year, undoubtedly, that roster is going to be different. Good, uh, Goudreau, Blake Coleman are probably going to be gone. You're probably going to see them have to do some shuffling on their blue line. Their core pieces are still going to be there. They're still going to have the core guys of Veslevsky, Point, Stamkos, Kucherov. Those guys will, or Sorelli, they'll all still be there. But the thing that I think separates those other teams, they still, Pittsburgh still had their Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Uh, Chicago had their Kane, Taze, Keith. Um, LA Kopitar quick and, and Dowdy, but the guys around them when they won, whether it's their second or their third, were pretty different in terms of like the key role players. So I'm curious to see how Tampa is going to come back next season. If they do a three peat in general, like that will be pretty, pretty nuts. But 
I want to see what they're going to do after this upcoming off season and how they're going to look coming out of the gate next year, because they won back-to-back years. Teams are going to be looking to really try and like step up and, and really beef up their, their, their teams and their rosters and, and be really deep because Tampa shows like perfectly that just having that level of depth will carry you. You know, they were able to rely on their stars, but they were just so good down their lineup that they were really never at a disadvantage. So, would you say LA actually retooled? I would argue they did not at all. I mean, they won two years apart. LA is the one. Pittsburgh and uh, Chicago definitely did more because right. the the first Chicago team compared to the third one was was pretty different. Very different. Um, yeah, I mean, probably not LA because they did have most of their key pieces. I'm trying to think who was gone the second time around. Was like Mike Richards there for the? He was. Yeah, they cut. That's what they. Uh, they caught him after that. All right. Well, then maybe not. Well, then there you go. So then I would probably move LA down on that list too, four. Um, to four. I think Tampa, due to their just like pure skill, like I said, I I, I don't know. There, I I would say maybe I would put Tampa three right now, and if they win within the next two years, they immediately go to number one for me. Even though they would have the same number of cups, like they would, I think, jump that. I don't know who I would put first between chicago and pittsburgh because it's interesting because chicago's was like what were they every other year right for and well 10 13 and 15 okay so ish the couple years then i should say um pittsburgh's were way more spread out from first to the second obviously two and three happened very quickly near, near each other but the first to the second one was pretty far so they're kind of opposites in that Ooh, I don't know. That's tough. I don't know who I would put first. I would maybe. Mm, that's a really tough one. What's your opinion on it? I'm, I'm, I want to lean Chicago, but anytime I try and come back to a definitive answer on it, I'm like, no, I actually don't know if that's right. I think it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is four yeah. appearances. They're the only that has four appearances. They have three cup wins and they have 15 straight playoff appearances. They retooled like five times. I would yeah. say not all good retools, but Here's the thing, though. I think Tampa has retooled, and I'll even leave out the 2011 conference final. I'm talking about cup, like after winning, though. They have retooled, but that's what eventually got them to winning a cup is that they got their lineup right. With Pittsburgh and Chicago, they had the lineup, and then they had to retool after they won a cup the first time around. Right, but I mean, I even say like 2015, they didn't win the cup, but they were in the cup. They're in game six of the cup, you know? That this is kind of a really different team. Like you look at that cup team and they had Bishop as goalie, Nalia Vasilevsky. Uh their best line, their second line was Palat, Johnson, and Kucherov. Kucherov is much better than he was then, but Palat and Johnson are a good amount worse. Mm-hmm. They had Strawman as their second defenseman. They didn't have McDonough or Sergachev. Obviously, Coleman and Kudrow, those guys are good, but point wasn't I don't even think point point and Sorelli around the team, were they? I don't think so. By that point, no. So like I think they have a, a pretty different team. They they didn't retool between cups, obviously, but they definitely retooled after getting really good and like making the cup. Oh yeah, I don't I don't dispute that at all. Like I said, my point was more just about after you get the job done. Like they they lost. I mean they yeah. That's really all it comes back to for me at least. But no, I definitely agree. Those teams were very different for sure. I mean. It, it, from top to bottom, from like the start of the run to the end, like you said, I mean, there's only two guys that are still there. Granted, it's 10 years and that's a pretty tall task being like staying with the team for that long. So 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so you'd put Pittsburgh one, Tampa two, Chicago three, and LA four? I think Chicago might still have it. Yeah. Number two. I think the other thing with Pittsburgh too is that like they have the best player of all of it, all of all of these teams. That's right, folks. It's Brian Rust. Yes, exactly. At the time of like their wins though, and like the dominance. Um, yeah. So Chicago had this thing where they had three guys that probably really stood above the rest. Keith, Kane, and Tays. Although I, I'd throw Hosa in there. I don't mm-hmm. think most people think of it that way. And they each won a con Smythe. LA had kind of quick Dowdy and Kopitar. Uh, but Justin Williams won one of their con Smythes. Tampa is interesting because Tampa has a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. Tampa has that. So Hedman and Vasilevsky have won the the two cons mice, but like both years, you could have given it to Pointer Kucherov as well. Yep. That's not even including, you know, former first round pick and 60 goal scorer, Steven Stamkos. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it is interesting. Cause I think looking at Pittsburgh in this time, it's weird. Cause if you had to have a big three, it would probably be Malkin, Crosby and Latang. Mm-hmm. Malkin won the first con Smythe and Crosby won the last one, 2016 Crosby air quotes here, one con Smythe. Okay. Folks, that was Phil Kessel's concert. Phil the Thrill was robbed. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Agreed. Agreed. That's a re- oh. that's an interesting conversation to have, though. I'm, I'm glad we talked about this because that really is a reminder of just how good those, I mean, all of them were, but especially those Pittsburgh and Chicago teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hope, uh, hope we have a, a good team to talk about at some point. Yeah, maybe by the time we're like 40. Maybe. Hey, man. Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. Two more years. Shane Wright next year. Yep. Hey, I'll I'll be 30 before the Sabres are good. That's extremely depressing. Yeah. Well, it seems like a great place to end the episode. So, Taylor, any last thoughts? Nope. See you later, everyone. Go watch. Well, it's too late now, but I'm going to watch Soshio Otani tonight in the Home Run Derby. Ooh. You think he's going to win it? I think so. I entered a pool, but I ended up with Salvador Perez. Oh, okay. So that's not good for me. Hey, here we go, Salvador. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. Make sure you're checking out both of our uh, presenting platforms on their respective websites and streaming services of your choice. Wherever you listen to your podcast, both the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics are putting out great content all throughout the week and on their respective websites. So make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you are also using our sponsor for today's episode, which is DraftKings and using our promo code THPN at checkout. And make sure you're following us on social media as well. Find us on Twitter at Straight Sabres, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. And make sure you're subscribed to us on whatever streaming platform you're listening to currently. We will be back with a new episode on Thursday. We'll see if there's any news before then. But in the meantime, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.